Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we're going to make two announcements in today's show, and one of these I'm going to do almost at the very end here today, but one of these I kind of want to do at the beginning, and this is one of those things where when we can, as they used to say in the old radio days, play the hits. When we can play the hits, that's what we want to do. We want to try to make you ha- as happy as we possibly can, and one of the things that a lot of people have asked is, hey, B.A., you remember last year before you went to Indianapolis, you remember doing that call-in show? I think we're going to kind of use a little bit fancier language here. We're going to call it a live interactive show. We did a live live interactive show where folks got to join us on zoom and talk with me live and we heard your voice we showed your face on the screen we did all that kind of stuff and we did this prior to the national championship a year ago and it really was very fun i think for some folks they kind of saw some faces with some names they'd heard for a long time and a lot of people got a chance to share their opinion you know after a while just hearing my point of view maybe gets a little old a little tiresome you'd like to hear what some of other folks around dog nation sort of think from time to time and so we did that leading in the national championship and maybe it worked georgia went on to win the game well a lot of you've been saying ba do you remember when we did that can we please do that again so i've got some great news we are going to do that. We're going to do it tonight. So if you don't have plans to do anything else this evening, I hope you'll join us at 730 tonight. We're going to be live across all the video platforms. I'm going to be in Athens and we're going to do an interactive show. That means that if you are watching on Facebook or YouTube or DogNation.com, somewhere like that, we're going to put the link to participate in the show in the comment section you can simply click the link and you can basically be kind of put into the queue and this is one of those things where you know we're going to try to take as many of these as we can so we'll probably be pretty quick with some of the calls and if you're waiting you'll have to wait for us a little bit because we're going to try to get as many of these we can but basically we're just going to allow some georgia fans to sort of share their thoughts about the upcoming season their outlook for uga here this year and if you pay attention to like say dog nation on twitter at dog nation on twitter we'll also put a link to be a part of the conversation there on that so tonight 7 30 p.m across all the dog nation video platforms we're going to do a live interactive show me from athens inviting you to be on air with us so stay tuned for more on that and i think it's going to be a really good time i know it was prior to the national championship game i believe it will tonight there as well what a great time to kind of get some reflections from georgia fans on what it's been like to be a national champion these last few months and what they think is in store for the dogs here this upcoming season we're going to do that tonight 7 30 p.m across the entire dog nation video platform we are really looking forward to all of that all right with that said, another announcement before we're done here tonight or today, and that's going to be a fun one, too. But I'll wait until the very end to kind of bring that up here today. Let me instead do this. I want to talk about the Oregon Ducks here for a moment. And the more and more I pay attention to a certain kind of conversation happening around uh, Georgia fans about Oregon, the more I realize that there might be a sort of common assumption about Oregon that's somewhat wrong. I don't mean wrong in terms of like it sort of used to be true but i don't quite know that it's so much true anymore and to me this is totally understandable why this belief would exist how this kind of idea has kind of grown because the fact of the matter is if you kind of plot athens georgia on a map or atlanta georgia where saturday's game is going to take place and eugene oregon you're talking about like two extreme ends of the country like you know far northwest almost as you can go it's probably what 2,500 almost 3,000 miles away from where we're going to be here so most Georgia fans are probably not experts on Oregon because it's an entirely different league the two schools have only played once in the past you got to go back to 1977 for that and you know in the last however many years there just hasn't been a lot of overlap between what Georgia's been doing and what Oregon's been doing and I think that's led to a little bit of a incorrect assumption about these ducks that Georgia's going to see on Saturday and One of the things that kind of made me think more about this is something that Kirby Smart said yesterday when he was doing his first weekly press conference of the year, getting ready for Oregon. And kind of in his opening statement, one of the things that he alluded to is, although Oregon has a brand new coach, it being his former defense according to Dan Lanning, and there's some certain mystery involved with a rookie coach coaching his very first game, 
there are other things about Oregon that can be known for sure because as Smart said he knows the former head coach of the Oregon Ducks very very well let me let you hear Kirby on this as a uh, way of kind of setting us up for maybe a vision that some folks have of Oregon that's not quite completely correct here's Kirby from yesterday Mario Cristobal's a good friend of mine and he's done a great job recruiting players to Oregon and Dan has taken those guys and watching you know what they did in the spring game and knowing the intensity and the organization that Dan has and the leadership, they're going to be a hell of a team. And they've got a lot of good football players on their team. So Kirby says, hey, I may not know for sure everything that Dan Lanning's going to throw at me because he's never coached a game before. We have to do a certain level of guessing about that. Here's the one thing that Kirby says I can know. I do know the old coach really well. That's uh, Mario Cristobal. I, I, I do know what he's all about. I do know what what he brings to the table because at one point in time these were colleagues Cristobal former offensive line coach at Alabama before becoming head coach eventually at Oregon and the understanding that Kirby has of Cristobal in a situation like this is I think the same understanding that Georgia fans ought to have but this game on Saturday there as well because I think when you close your eyes and picture Oregon I think you picture the Oregon Ducks team that Chip Kelly used to coach remember that team that played Auburn in the national championship at the end of the 2010 season and that was kind of when a lot of this hurry up stuff no huddle stuff in college was sort of just coming into vogue and it sort of seemed like Oregon was kind of flying down the field all the time and they had this you know really aggressive you know no huddle attack a lot of option football but throwing the football too and all the stuff that Chip Kelly was doing as an innovative coach at the time kind of came to define Oregon almost as much as all of its fancy uniforms did and that's kind of what Oregon looked like and, and then in 2014 the very first year of the college football playoff you had Oregon in that college football playoff this is back when Marcus Mariota was the quarterback of the Ducks and Mark Helfrich was the head coach at that point in time but once again it was kind of a continuation of what they had been under Chip Kelly it's sort of a high-powered offense it was sort of a very fast moving kind of a finesse style team the way you think of a lot of West Coast football as sort of being and that's kind of what the Ducks were in the Mariota era and the Helfrich era as head coach. But y'all, a lot of time has changed since then. And while under the, the Cristobal era prior to Dan Lanning, Oregon was good more often than not, this is not the kind of offensive team that Oregon has been. And I think this matters as you get ready to make your evaluation, what's going to happen on Saturday between these dogs and these Ducks. In fact, if you want to go back and look, Last year, Oregon was just 42nd in the country in points per game scoring. This is not a high-powered offense. And so when you think about what Dan Lanning is inheriting there in Eugene, that's as big a deal of anything is the fact that even when Justin Herbert was their quarterback, and Herbert now is probably, I mean, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? But when he was in Oregon, they just weren't scoring very many points. They brought in Joe Moorhead. You'll remember Moorhead is the former head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, brought to Oregon to try to be the transformational offensive coordinator that kind of Todd Munkin was brought to UGA to be. They were hired at a similar time, a sort of a similar timeline of programs that had a lot going for it but didn't quite have the offense going for it and that's the transformation that Cristobal tried to make there and for the most part it kind of just didn't really work Oregon has just not really been a great offensive team so if you're expecting one of these teams on Saturday that's going to kind of fly around and be playing 100 miles an hour and scoring 50 points the way that Chip Kelly's teams did the way that Marcus Mariota was when he was the quarterback there the way that Helfrich was when he was the head coach that's kind of not really been what Oregon has been. And that's not to say that the program has had nothing going for it. It just really hasn't had that going for it. So when you think about what Oregon is good at, you think about the kinds of things a team would be good at whose former head coach was a former offensive line coach at Alabama. That's what Cristobal Ball was. So a lot of what Oregon has done well prior to Dan Lanning getting hired is running game, offensive and defensive line and some defensive stuff there too that this Oregon team is not exactly what you kind of close your eyes and picture when you think of the Pac-12 they're probably a little tougher but they're also probably a little less explosive and for Kirby he certainly notices a version of that in terms of what Cristobal still has left over from his offensive line recruiting and what Dan Lanning kind of inherits and takes over in his first game at head coach this is still a program that's pretty deep pretty seasoned and expected to be pretty good along the offensive line a little bit different than the previous picture you would have had about Oregon teams in the past but probably uh, the accurate definition of Oregon in the presence uh, in the present tense I should say one more time here's Kirby Smart on the nature of that Oregon offensive line 
Yeah, uh, I think that we face a really good offensive line day in and day out and a very experienced one in our own. And uh, that provides a lot of good competition. You know, I think they've got more returning starters, returning snaps than almost anybody in the country on their offensive line. So it certainly is a strength in terms of uh, even what Mario's history is of recruiting offensive linemen. Did a tremendous job putting together depth at that position. So uh, it'll be key that, that we play well, we play physical. Um, you have to control the line of scrimmage and strike people to be a good football team. They know that. Dan knows that. There's nothing hidden about that. So our defensive line's got to stop the run and, and, and be able to control the quarterback, which depending on which quarterback it is, you know, you, you got some really good athletes back there. So the point that I'm making here is the stuff that Kirby's saying right there I think is really true. If you kind of close your eyes and picture old school Oregon, what it was under Chip Kelly or what it was when Marcus Mariota was quarterback, that was a team that you had to match the explosiveness with. But this Oregon team right now, at least the one that existed prior to Lanning getting here when Mario Cristobal was head coach, that was a team that wanted to be more physical than you. And the challenge for you was to match the physicality they brought to the table, which is obviously an area in which Georgia's pretty comfortable with, and that's clearly one of the ways in which they won the national championship a year ago, was just simply being more physically dominant than the opponents they were playing. And maybe more so than people realize, that's a similar style to what Oregon wants to do on Saturday, that this really will be a little bit more of a kind of a mirror image of Georgia than you might imagine based on what Oregon used to be 15, 20 years ago. That's just not quite been what Oregon's been in the past. But that's not the only way in which maybe some fans have maybe the wrong impression of Oregon. The fact of the matter is, you know, teams like Georgia dominate recruiting so much that you kind of assume that Georgia in a matchup like this has all of the very best players. And if you did assume that, I think you would mostly be correct. I've told you before, I don't think this game on Saturday is going to be all that close. And part of the reason I don't is because on most areas in the field, Oregon doesn't have UGA-level players. Now, coaches and players for UGA can't think that. They can't say that. They've got to be focused. But listen, I'm a blowhard that speaks into a microphone. I can just sort of say whatever I think. And what I think is Oregon's going to be lucky to keep it close to the UGA for four quarters and probably won't be lucky enough to be able to do that. But that doesn't mean that Oregon doesn't have UGA-level players in some spots on the field. And one spot on the field in particular where that's definitely true is probably at the inside linebacker spot. Think about uh, you know Noah Sewell. Think about Justin Flo. These are names that are very familiar to those of us who follow recruiting very closely. In fact, Kirby said yesterday just how hard it was that Georgia tried to win those recruiting battles, even though it was kind of already deep at the position that they play. This is Kirby once again from yesterday. They have a tremendously talented inside linebacker room. I mean, both two kids we recruited here and, and tried to get here, and we had some pretty good inside linebackers when they decided to come, and we felt strongly enough they were good enough to come here and play. So they're talented. So obviously when you talk about uh, Sewell and Flo, those of you who've seen them play, especially in the case of Sewell, you know how true that certainly is, but Flo's no uh, a short shrift in that conversation either. So let me see if I can kind of bottom line on this for you. That when you look across the field at Oregon on Saturday – I think in some respects, you're going to see a team that kind of reminds you a little bit of Georgia. Oregon does feel really good about its offensive line, and it's going to try to run the ball behind that offensive line. Oregon, I think, feels pretty good about its defense, especially some of its top-end talent there in that linebacker spot, and they're going to try to lean on those playmakers to do as much as possible for them on Saturday. Oregon, I think, maybe doesn't quite know for sure what it has yet at quarterback, and it's going to kind of take presumably Bo Nix, the starter, uh, we think he'll start anyway, take him out for a spin and sort of see what he's all about. In so many ways, doesn't that sound a little bit like Georgia? But we believe the difference in the game is ultimately going to be while Oregon does some things like Georgia does it, Georgia just does it better. And that's the difference we believe in the game on Saturday. But when you show up, don't be surprised when you see a Ducks team that looks a little bit like the way that maybe Georgia has been built throughout the past. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We're happy to have you with us, whether you join us at 945 on our first and 15 at dognation.com or the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and we're available as a podcast where you can find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. We are just uh, happy to have you here with all of that here today, and a big thanks to our friends 
at Engineered Solutions of George for making it all possible. When it comes to your home, you want to protect your home in every way imaginable, and that means defending it against foundation and waterproofing issues. And listen, we know the evidence what that looks like. You see those cracks in your wall? Sometimes they show up. That's an issue, right? And it's the kind of thing that deep down you know. If you see that you know little crack thing kind of show up there, you know you need to do something about that. Well, the simplest thing to do is to give my friends at Engineered Solutions a call. They've got an entire team of engineers on staff. And and really, nobody else in the market can say that for you in terms of giving you the resources you need to solve your problem. After all, they are a solutions-based company. That's why you should give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. They're longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. I am so grateful for those of you who support those that have supported us, and that's certainly what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is. They're also proud partners of UGA there as well. You see them in the stadium on game day, and that's kind of cool, but you hear them here on Dog Nation Daily throughout the entire year, and you know. Uh, how deep our relationship runs with them and when it comes to waterproofing issues same kind of thing you see water where it's not supposed to be engineered solutions of georgia can tell you how you can fix that they can get your home protected the way that it needs to be so call them 678-ESOG now that's 678-ESOG now and that'll get you in touch with our friends at engineered solutions of georgia all right before we roll on let me remind you of this as well today is tuesday We are now just two days away from the big season kickoff event at Marlowe's in Dunwoody on Thursday night. What an amazing experience it's going to be. Jake Fromm is going to be there. You know that. The wonderful lawn out front, weather permitting, we're going to be set up outside there. Our friends from the Finnish Long Drink are going to be on hand. We're going to be having a great time with them. We're going to be talking dogs, uh, interacting with you, having a great time on 6 p.m. on Thursday with Jake Fromm. It's going to be an amazing experience. So many dog fans on hand. I've even been told we may be giving away a few of our Dog Nation Duck Hunt t-shirts there that night, which would obviously be a really cool thing. My understanding is we might be doing that there as well, which I'm actually sort of surprised by, but uh, we may be doing some of that. So hope you'll come by and see us. See Jake Fromm with us on Thursday, 6 p.m., Marlowe's in Dunwoody, 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That is going to be a great way to kick off the upcoming season. All right, let's, speaking of kicking off against Oregon, keep the conversation going here now before we bring on Connor Riley in a couple of moments for a Kroger Fresh Take with him. Let's go around the doghouse here today, presented by Georgia's own credit union. And I want to focus in for a moment on the Georgia defense, and in particular, a guy that every time I hear him speak, I just become more and more enamored with his ability to be a leader, his ability to cast seemingly the perfect vision, A guy that just seems to really get it is outside linebacker Nolan Smith. Now, we know that Smith came back to Georgia as a senior in his final year because he wants to show his pass rushing ability, and he wants to travel the same path for the dogs this year that the five guys off last year's defense did in becoming first-round picks, and I hope Nolan gets a chance to do that. But while he's here working on his craft, while he's here doing what needs to be done to impress those NFL scouts, Georgia gets to take advantage of his leadership and his abilities and the kind of the bedrock I don't know he's just like a bedrock figure for this Georgia defense here this year and the words that Smith used yesterday to me are the perfect embodiment of all of that being asked about you know Nolan everybody says this Georgia defense gonna drop off in talent you know Nolan everybody says lower your expectations for what George gonna be defensively can't be as good this year as it was last year You'll get no such concession from Nolan Smith on that point. He made that clear yesterday. I love this from Nolan. Take a listen to this. You can look at it. I've I've been a Georgia fan all my life, and that's one thing that's been great around here is Georgia defense. So I'm 100% not worried about a drop-off. Again, like Coach Mark said, it's a standard. Just because we had a lot of guys leave last year, it's a standard of Georgia defense, and we play at a high level. Think about this for a moment. Think about how hard the grind of being a college football player is. Think about the the challenge of the sweaty summer workouts or the you know weightlifting sessions during the season when your body's already tired and you're already sore. In some cases, you're pretty banged up. Think about the level of self-discipline required to push through all of that. Can you imagine that in the, that sort of dark moment when maybe you're thinking, gosh, what am I doing all this for? For a guy like Nolan to say, I'm doing this for the team I've cheered for my entire life. I mean, don't you just look before you get into whatever his prediction is about the Georgia defense here for the season? Don't you just love that part of this? Nolan says, I'm playing for the team I've cheered for my entire life. You know, growing up down there in Savannah area, this is my team. I'm a dog. I was a dog before I was old enough to be a football player. And now I'm a dog who plays for the dogs. I, I mean, doesn't that part of this just work for you? Just ring so true for you? And we, 
remember Nolan Smith going into last year's national championship, so articulate about what a title would have meant for those dogs. It's the kind of understanding you only get if you've been around here for a little while. And Nolan certainly has. So I love the idea of him saying, I've been a dog fan my whole life. Uh, I've seen the junkyard dogs. He's not quite old enough to see you know, them, but you know what I'm saying. He, he just sort of gets the history of all this. For him, it's more like David Pollock and uh, uh, Thomas Davis. Hopefully he's old enough to have, no, I guess, is he old enough to experience them, only just barely. The point is, is there is a history and there is a heritage of great Georgia defense. Nolan Smith understands that and he says, we're a part of that. We don't plan on going anywhere and all of that. I think those are strong words because it's not just an empty prediction. It's a vantage point from which to lead this team, including some young players who, as Kirby Smart has said, hey, that national championship belonged to Jordan Davis. That national championship belonged to Devontae White. It belonged to N'Kobe Dean and Lewis Seen and Trayvon Walker. A lot of guys on the field this year, they haven't done anything yet. Well, the players who are stepping into these roles, it sounds like they understand that as much as anybody does. In fact, Nolan says they're kind of ready for their own moment after watching Georgia guys a year ago have that moment before them. Once again, really good stuff from Nolan Smith. Take a listen to this. No, I wouldn't say it's a different vibe. I say, like Coach Mark said, we're hungry. And I feel like our young guys are hungrier just because a lot of people, you know, doubt them and say that it's going to be, is it going to be a difference or is it going to be a different change of numbers and stuff like that. And I'm just really excited to see that kickoff in those first couple plays. Not hungry, hungry. You heard that. And like I, I can, I grew up in Hall County and we talked the same way. Oh, when you're hungry, you really are ready for something. Uh, you are really ready for it. And no one says, listen, these young players, they're not hungry. They are hungry. And I like that. And I think that's exactly the mindset they should take for the upcoming season. It sounds like they do. And Nolan's leadership sounds like one of the reasons why they are. So if that don't get you ready to play football against Oregon on Saturday, I don't quite know what will. That is strong, strong stuff from Nolan Smith about his own attitude about the defense, what he expects to see from it because he's been watching Georgia defense his whole life, and what he expects from these young players kind of being asked to be the next Trayvon Walker or the next Nicobe Dean or the next blah, blah, blah. Nolan says they're hungry for their chance to do that very same thing. I love it, man. It's good stuff. It's around the doghouse, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. Now, let me tell you what else is good stuff. How about one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards from uh, Georgia's own credit union? Because this time of year, you're kind of doing more stuff. You're buying a bunch of stuff. You're buying tickets. You're traveling to games. You're doing all those things. And to have a great card in your pocket like that Visa Signature Platinum card from Georgia's own credit union just makes the entire thing uh, more convenient and the entire opportunity more enjoyable for you because one of the things you're going to get when you use the Visa Signature or Platinum card from Georgia's own credit union is some flex rewards. It can be used for just about anything. I'm talking about gift cards or cash back, about travel, merchandise, all of that coming your way. Plus, you can also earn up to $150 when you open a new Platinum or Signature card. Now, there are some restrictions that apply or just kind of find out more details. Check out georgiasown.org for more on that. Georgiasown.org. You can learn all of the details about what makes a Visa signature or platinum card from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. A great option for you as you are busy and going all over the place here this fall. So we've already made one fun announcement on today's show. We told you off the top that tonight, 7.30 p.m., we're going to do a live interactive show from Athens, and I'm really excited about that and excited about having you join us. We'll give you a link to do that so you can have your voice heard. You can show your face on camera. We'll do some fun stuff with that later on here tonight. Before we're done, we also have another really fun announcement to make, and this one is a long time coming, folks. And so I'm ready to reveal that for you here in just a little bit. But before that, there are other things that must be revealed. What happened yesterday at Georgia practice? Is Eric Gilbert okay? Sounds like he had a little bit of an auto accident. And what else can we expect from Georgia against Oregon on Saturday? Let's do all of that right now. It is a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, let's say hello to Connor Riley here. Kroger Fresh Take with him today on the program. Happy to have him. We're going to lean on his eyewitness account from Georgia practice yesterday here in a moment to kind of find out about those final preparations before the dogs take on the Ducks. But, uh, Connor, before we get to that, let me bring you in on a conversation I was having to start today's show in which a lot of Georgia fans just don't watch a ton of Pac-12 football and when they think of Oregon, they sort of think of a 10-year-ago or 20-year-ago version of Oregon that may have been coached by Chip Kelly, was scoring 40-something points a game and running 100 plays per game. 
or the Marcus Mariota version of Oregon from the 2014 college football playoff that once again was a pretty high-powered offense. And in a game like that, it's a finesse opponent. You have to match their explosiveness. But the previous Oregon team coached by Mario Cristobal was a little bit more SEC style. Pretty good offensive line, you know, pretty good defense, kind of just enough offense. And frankly, in a lot of years, not quite enough, even when they had a future NFL quarterback like Justin Herbert. This has not really been that high powered an offense. It is an Oregon team on Saturday that actually looks a little more like Georgia than I think some UGA fans realize. Do you get that same sense when you uh, talk to dog fans heading into Saturday? I think, I, you know, I follow maybe perhaps the more online Georgia fans, at least in the ones that I interact with. And, the, and so they know about Mario Cristobal. They know what he built there. I think they are well aware of the flaws that, that program had under him. Uh, there's no reason they have not made a playoff since 2014 when they had Marcus Mariota there because I do believe that they have a lot of talent. And, and I know there are a lot of people that have taken note of, you know, the physicality of being built like an SEC team. Brennan, I have a question for you, and I wrote about this this morning. Sure. Do you know which team led the country last year in three tight end sets? Uh, I do not. Was it Oregon? No, it was Utah. Do you know the combined score of the two Ooh. times Oregon and Utah played? Ooh, this is very good. I know it was a lot to a little. I don't know the exact number, but Utah dragged Oregon. That is very good stat. Connor, give this to us, please. It is 76-17, to 17, the two times that they had met there. There were no flukes. Utah runs a very tight end heavy scheme. I would also note Oregon lost last year to Stanford as well, a team that relies heavily on its tight end usage there as well as big body receivers. So I do think there's maybe perhaps a little bit of a misnomer out there that this Oregon team that was built under Mario Cristobal is sort of this physical slobberknocker that you might see in the SEC on a Saturday. Now, obviously, new staff comes in. Dan Lanning, I think, is going to have a different identity with how this team goes about playing and what that looks like we don't know. But I'm very interested in how Oregon and the physicality they have go about matching up against these Georgia tight ends where I think Georgia's got a pretty clear advantage there, and this was a big area of weakness last year for the Ducks. I want to talk to you specifically about Gilbert in a moment, but let me piggyback off this here because I think you're touching on something I think is really important, which is Georgia's not playing a bunch of tight ends because it has no other choice. This is not one of those things where, well, I guess we have to have 11 on the field. Let's just put some tight ends out there. Georgia's doing this because it wants to. And so you want to compare, you know, Oregon getting beaten up by tight end heavy teams like Utah. I think you can also make the comparison with an NFL team that I know you know well, like the New England Patriots. You're going to go back to the years of, like, say, Gronk and, like, Aaron Hernandez. And I realize Hernandez is kind of a loaded name because of the off field stuff. But as a football player, that was a very potent tight end combo with a guy like Gronk. And New England was better for having had both of them. And it was certainly hell for opposing defenses to try to stop here and so I think that you're touching on something that's really important which is that no matter how much we've hyped up the Georgia tight ends and talked about all of this it is the most you know potent weapon possible for Georgia in this game on Saturday I believe yeah and I think maybe even a more modern example I know he's not exactly a popular name in these neck of the woods but you look at the recent success of the San Francisco 49ers a lot of it has been using George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk now Juszczyk is technically a fullback but they'll move him around and also get Kittle out there in space. So just because they're not the speed demons at wide receiver, Brock Bowers is probably the second-best player on Georgia's team this year behind Jalen Carter at number one. Darnell Washington, I think maybe other than Kenny McIntosh, had as good a camp as anybody out there. Uh, Oscar Delp was one of the more impressive freshmen. And then there's Arik Gilbert, sort of this big mystery in terms of what he might be able to bring in terms of, especially with what we saw in the spring game there. So... You know, if you're building a list of Georgia's top 20 players at this point in time, there could very well be four tight ends on there. And so when you have those sort of weapons and that sort of advantage, especially when I think you have a creative offensive mind like Todd Munkin, his NFL background in terms of having to exploit mismatches out there because the speed difference or the athleticism difference isn't all that great at the NFL level. When you have that kind of athletic disparity and the schematic advantage that I think Todd Munkin brings, it only accentuates how difficult these tight ends are to prepare for. All right, so you had an interesting observation at UGA practice. I want to get to that, and plus the other stuff you saw there as well. But let me kind of lead into this with the Eric Gilbert story, which was, I guess there were reports that he's had an auto accident. We've seen some photos of what, what a, you know appears to be his car, like the, uh, the Mercedes he was driving. It sounds like he is okay, but you also kind of noticed something yesterday, and you reported on this at dognation.com about where he was in the pecking order among these Georgia tight ends during a drill that you saw. So you mind just talking through all of that here for a second? Yeah, and I want to be 
sensitive to this because I know obviously Eric is someone who gets a ton of media attention and almost none of it is his fault other than he was a generational high school prospect. But, you know, the week of the first game, he does have that auto accident, and very fortunately, he is okay. He was at practice yesterday. There were no limitations there. He appears to be fine when asked about injuries. Kirby Smart said that Georgia was good on that front there. But when I saw him at practice yesterday, you know, maybe it's just in, in comparison to the guys in that tight end room, Brock Bowers. Darnell Washington is in incredible shape. Uh, Oscar Delp is one of the more physically impressive freshmen. He just looked kind of heavy, and that's concerning to me going into the first game of the season. And then even watching that drill a little bit, Todd Harley and Mike Bobo were both pushing Gilbert to give maximum effort. And it's not that he wasn't. It was just it seemed predetermined that, hey, we're going to get in this guy's ear on this play to push and try and get the most out of him. And there's obviously a lot of anticipation to see what Gilbert does on Saturday going to be his first game in a Georgia uniform as he was away from the team last year and I think there are a lot of people that are eager to see what he does what is his production in this offense and I've come away from say the last 24 48 hours really wondering how much we're going to see of him and what kind of impact he's going to have because as you sort of touched on there for I think the first time all camp Oscar dealt with ahead of him in drills and I don't usually put a lot of stock into that but the week of the game them making that move and they had not done that all preseason that's eyebrow-raising to me, and so I'm very curious to see how much Eric Gilbert plays in this first game of the season, just given sort of all that has transpired in the past 48 hours. And I really do hate that for him because it's only going to lead to more speculation, more things out there, more chatter about him. So I want to talk through all of this here for a second. As you know, I've been very high on Gilbert this offseason, and I have really kind of been calling for him to have a very big year. And I'm not ever going to sell my Gilbert stock because like the one thing that I see in Eric is a guy that just sort of has a nose for the football. In some respects, he reminds me a little bit of George Pickens. And I don't mean personality or anything like that. I mean, I just mean in terms of like Pickens just knew how to get the football. And and Gilbert just sort of seems to know how to get the football. He caught a lot of balls yep. in high school, and that's not an easy thing to do necessarily. And he caught a ton of balls in high school. G-Day game, he sort of showed it. A freshman year at LSU, he sort of showed it a little bit. So I am never selling all of my Eric Gilbert stock because there is just something to be said for a guy that knows how to put his hands on the football and bring that thing down. Gilbert clearly does. But I have to admit, I've also said a good bit here is there's not room for everybody in this tight end room to have the same meal, right? You know, not everybody's going to eat to an equal measure here this year. And a guy like Darnell Washington has earned so much praise this offseason that I have to take it pretty seriously. And I, mean, I would say to a certain extent that's true about Delp there as well for the reasons you just mentioned. But it's really been Washington whose level of like whether it be official reports or just whispers that you kind of hear in your little sewing circles, whatever else, people are just kind of talking up Darnell here a little bit right now. And so if Darnell's in line for that kind of year, there's not room for, for Gilbert to have the kind of year that I thought he was going to have. And so maybe that's what this ends up being is I do truly believe that Brock Bauer is going to have a sensational year. And I think there's room for another Georgia tight end to also have a very good year there as well. But there's probably only room for one other one other than Bowers. And so if it is Washington, it's probably not going to be Gilbert. Yeah, and, and I think your George Pickens one is certainly an interesting thing, an interesting one because I do see some parallels there. And, you know, in, in football, there are just some guys that are just – they can turn it on when the game comes and they are the best player in the field. I think George Pickens was that way. I think Arie Gilbert is that way a little too. Or when the lights are on, you know, he's just able to rise up and elevate there. You look at what he did on G-Day. He was the most physically impressive player out there, just really shunning a number of Georgia defenders who were pretty good last year. And I, I think the one key difference there is, you know, Georgia didn't have a bunch of other George Pickens in that wide receiver room. Uh, Georgia does have a lot of other Arie Gilberts in that tight end room. And, and I think if you're looking at this, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, you know, and I'm someone who's maybe even been a little bearish on, on what Brock Bowers might do this year. Uh, that guy's a stud. He's going to get his touches. He's going to get his numbers. And I think if you're looking at this from the perspective you bring up there, I think if you can get one of Washington or Gilbert going, you're really happy. And while sure, ideally, you would love it for both of them if they were going, if that were going to be the case, there's just not going to be enough touches and enough plays run for all of those guys to eat, quote unquote. And, and so I think if you're a Georgia fan, it's real nice to have two sort of hulks at the tight end position in Washington and Gilbert, but you can only really get one of them going. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if one of those guys doesn't have the season they think they end up having, 
how do things sort of turn out for them and where does the season go from there? Do they buy in and become a special teams contributor and play a role? I don't think Darnell got enough credit last year when it was clear that Brock Bowers had passed him that he accepted being a role player in part because of the circumstances that he faced last year. And I thought he did an excellent job filling that role. It's going to be interesting to see what that sort of looks like this season as I think that hierarchy does establish itself at the tight end position. I got a request earlier since you saw practice yesterday to ask about the offensive line, which is obviously a very good question. So I'm going to, is the Ratledge thing real? Do you think he starts on Saturday? Is he healthy enough to do so? And at left guard, is it Willock? Is it Truss? How do you handicap those guard situations here at the moment? Uh, Tate Ratledge is real and it's spectacular. Uh, I, I don't want to overhype it there, but I'll use a good sign side line when I can. He's healthy. Um, I, you know, like you, I, I've been maybe cautious in, in approaching how Ratledge is going gonna, is gonna to play. There's no doubt about his talent, in my opinion. Uh, if he's healthy enough to go, he will. He had a turf toe injury that was separate from the foot injury, and it sounds like both of those are good to go now. I expect him to start and play every snap at right guard on Saturday. At left guard, I'm leaning towards Xavier Trust starting, but I think both he and Devin Willick are both going to play in that game, and that might be a situation where they take it into the season and sort of see how it goes there and know that they can be flexible, and most importantly, that they have options there because – you know, for as much, you know, questions there have been about this offensive guard position, they have a lot of guys that have a lot of upside, and Georgia is fortunate in that sense where if a guy doesn't necessarily pan out or play the way they think they do, I, they have other options you can turn to. A classic example in the 2020 season, Owen Condon got to start there that first game against Arkansas. He wasn't very effective. They put Warren McClendon in there, and he has not given up that job since then. So I certainly think that we could see something like that play out where, they think a guy has had a better camp and they're awarded through him there, but when the lights come on, if he's not getting it done, they do have other options that they can turn to. I want to ask you about Stetson Bennett here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Day with Connor Riley here today. And uh, uh, Kroger, by the way, has got a great hiring event going on right now. Kroger's a great place to work. And you have a great chance to get a really rewarding job experience there with Kroger. They're hosting open interviews today and tomorrow for all positions. So you can stop in from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 3150 Georgia Highway 34 in Noonan and 564 Crosstown Drive in Peachtree City uh, for some great uh, interview experiences and starting with a dynamic job experience there with our friends at Kroger. So go to jobs.kroger.com for more on that. That's jobs.kroger.com for more on that. Connor, I thought it was interesting yesterday on Stetson Bennett. We're going to talk more about Bennett on this show tomorrow, but you know the stuff that Kirby said about what, what he's seen from him in terms of a, I, I guess, you know, year over year growth, but also just in terms of Bennett kind of speaking as the guy with the big spotlight on, on him yesterday. I thought it was kind of an interesting day for Stetson. What did you just kind of make of the whole sort of experience of a QB one getting to sort of act like a QB one yesterday? So he had a comment there, and we have the whole video up uh, from his press conference there on the Dog Nation YouTube page. Make sure to go check that out, including uh, his two songs that he likes to listen to to pump himself up before the game. One of them, uh, I would not have guessed in a, in a thousand guesses. But he had a comment yesterday about admitting, yeah, hey, I'm a little lucky, you know, to have been the start, to have ascended to the starting position last year. Like he recognizes all that sort of had to happen for him to get in that spot. And I think that shows a real maturity that a lot of people in life in general, I, I don't think are willing to look at the role that luck plays so much sure. in, in them getting to where they do. And for him to recognize that, I think that's a lot about his understanding of what, you know, obviously he's been through there. I don't think there's ever been a player in college football, perhaps criticized on the level that he has been simply because of his scholarship status six years ago. And, and so for him, I think, to go out and recognize that, hey, this time last year, like, I was a third-string quarterback for this team. And, and now that he's the number one guy, you know, uh, he, there's maybe a looseness to him that he, he doesn't feel the pressure. And, and I do think that if you go back and watch the first half of that Alabama game last year, he was pressing a little bit to start that game in the national title game. But then really, I think, calmed down from there. And, and Look, Stetson's going to go out there and make plays. We talked about this all last season. He is not a game manager. And so if he's able to limit the turnovers, like I think he's going to be this year, now that he has that added aspect of maturity, 
you know, I think you're going to see this offense put up some really big numbers, and Stetson Bennett is going to be a reason why, as opposed to maybe something that holds this offense back, like so many people, I think, perhaps ignorantly think. Uh, Connor, that's great stuff. Thanks for being here for a Kroger Fresh Take here today. We'll look forward to uh, reading a lot more from you at dognation.com and, of course, seeing you in, in Atlanta on Saturday there as well. And we'll talk to you then. Yep, thanks for having me on. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I think that's interesting from Connor on Stetson Bennett. We're going to get more into the Bennett stuff, I think, tomorrow because I thought Stetson had kind of a lot of interesting things to say, and obviously Kirby Smart also had some interesting things to say about Bennett too, and it is a totally different experience for him. And you know, frankly, it's a little bit of a different experience for UGA in its own right there as well in that there have been a lot of years where there was some mystery surrounding quarterback going into the start of a year. Actually, there's less of that this year than in most years since Kirby Smart's been head coach at Georgia. And yesterday just sort of felt like that. You know, Bennett just sort of felt like QB1. And I think I almost get the sense that uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know this for sure, but it almost seemed like he was like sort of speaking for the podium yesterday, you know, like kind of like what you do with an NFL starting quarterback, you know, not speaking out in the atrium with everybody else, but kind of speaking from the podium and just sort of had that kind of look of hey this is our guy at quarterback we're gonna hitch our wagon to him one way or another and we'll see where the season takes us and uh that was certainly a very interesting visual put forth yesterday when it comes uh from georgia regarding stats and bennett we got some crews around the sec news to give you a big announcement coming up here in a moment there too before that though let's go as we said crews around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean boy what a great time this is to be heading out on a royal caribbean cruise vacation heard from some of you here lately who've got your own cruise vacation coming up whether it be, you know, sneaking away on an off week for Georgia or just sort of sneaking away sometime this fall. Beautiful time to be out on the seas. And obviously, Royal Caribbean, our recommendation for you when it comes on that. And it's always interesting to me to see, okay, for some people, they like that sort of three or four night type deal because, you know, for some people, they got a lot going on, right? You got, you know, kids, or you got work responsibilities, things like that. And so a quick getaway makes a lot of sense for you. You know, one of these three day sailings, that's a weekend type thing, right? You're back on Monday. You can you know, even go back to work the next day if you want to. Uh, or if you want that seven-night sailing on one of these larger Oasis-class ships and take advantage of all the really cool things that are available on board, like a Broadway-style show or all the specialty restaurants, obviously all the bars and lounges, the entertainment options, live music. I've said before, one of my favorite things about a Royal Caribbean cruise ship is, you know, at night you can just sort of walk around. Like, I think last year when we were on uh, Harmony of the Seas, at night after dinner we were just kind of walking around, hanging out, enjoying a beverage or two, and we went to like five different places in a row. All five had live music, and it was just a great almost little pub crawl for us right there on our own Royal Caribbean cruise ship. So you need to experience this for yourself. It's a great time. Our friend Jessica Slater can help you do that. She knows Royal Caribbean so well. Uh, she's worked with Royal Caribbean for a long time, and she can work with you to get you on the perfect Royal Caribbean cruise vacation for yourself and those that you love. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also check her out online, dreamvacations.com slash Slater. That's dreamvacations.com slash Slater, And you can get going on a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Speaking of cruising, we'll cruise around the SEC right now with Royal Caribbean. And I saw this was kind of interesting. So the other day, a lot of you are aware of this. Desmond Howard had like the worst college football playoff you've ever seen. It was bizarre. It was awkward. He had Michigan, his alma mater. He had Pitt. He had Texas A&M. And he actually had Texas A&M winning the national championship. And so yesterday, Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fish was asked about this. And Jimbo kind of jokingly said, ah, I knew I always liked Desmond Howard, which is kind of a throwaway line and not that big of a deal. But I was thinking, though, this is one of the things that I think makes Jimbo a little different than a lot of other SEC coaches and certainly makes him very different than Kirby Smart. And I don't know if this is good or bad. I just know it's different, right? Because a year ago, remember, uh, Jimbo was asked about, you know, beating Alabama once Nick Saban was gone. And he said, we're going to beat him while he's still here. You know, something along those lines. He said it more colorfully than I just did. Now, he made good on that prediction. They did win head to head, but obviously didn't do much with that head to head win. But the point is, is he didn't shy away from bragging a little bit. And in this particular case, I mean, if let's say that uh, David Pollack had picked Georgia win the national championship and you'd gone to Kirby in a press conference and say, hey, did you hear uh, David Pollack thinks y'all going to repeat as national champions? Like Kirby's not going to pay that the time of day. He's going to totally pretend no, I didn't hear it. I don't care. Uh, we're just worried about trying to beat Oregon. You know, David's got a job doing TV. Like he's not like playing along with that. The fact that Fisher does, uh, I knew I liked Desmond Howard, not really shying away from 
the fact that he does believe eventually he's going to win a national championship Texas A&M it just makes him a little bit different than a lot of other coaches in the SEC and for a lot of people who believe ah Jimbo has got to start winning to kind of keep these Texas A&M fans happy I don't think Jimbo feels like he's on as you know hot of a seat or at least a seat that get, that's getting hotter I don't think he thinks that way otherwise he might not be kind of playing along with those kind of jokes uh, speaking of jokes Sam Pittman <laughs> the Arkansas coach said something yesterday of course you know Pittman so he's talking about like getting ready for Cincinnati I'm gonna read this to you I think it's really funny uh basically like comparing how his team matches up with the Bearcats is a really good week one game between Arkansas and Cincinnati and so he says of his team against the Bearcats, he says, I think we've got enough defense and that we can attack whatever we see from them. He says, I think the first couple of series are going to be really important to figure out what they're bringing to the party. He says, some guys bring iced tea to the party and some guys bring liquor. He said, you just got to figure out what they're bringing, which is kind of funny. And it's an example of what I think a lot of us love about Pittman. We love this about him when he was offensive line coach here. And I think we still love this about him as head coach there at Arkansas like he just doesn't take himself too seriously like Pittman's just kind of a dude I mean that in the most complimentary sense imaginable like he's got that you know beautiful lake house and on that beautiful lake house he's got like this gigantic statue of a big you know razorback like right there in his backyard and like here's the thing you know about this and a lot of you that like live around the lake or spend a lot of time on lakes you're gonna know this is that when rich famous people have these big lake houses those big lake houses become a little bit of a target right that people you know kind of sail by there and they point out to their friends and you kind of drive by slow or sail by slowly to see if so and so is out there and a lot of like the rich famous people that have these houses on lakes they kind of try to do a little bit not to stick out too much not Pittman though he's got this big razorback like right there in the back everybody knows who his house is He's just kind of a dude that way. He's just sort of comfortable in his own skin. And like these kinds of jokes, once again, you don't hear any other coach in the SEC joking like this in a press conference. And I I don't know that it makes Pittman more successful, but I certainly hope he's more successful because of this. Because I think we would all just have a better time sometimes if coaches were a little bit more relaxed. And so if Pittman can win by kind of being relaxed and comfortable in his own skin – I think it would be good for other coaches' demeanor from time to time. So we like Pittman. We like seeing him have fun. And clearly, he's got the kind of team in Arkansas right now, which makes having fun a little bit easier because we actually think the Razorbacks will be pretty good this year. Very quickly, a couple of other things. Uh, Brian Kelly not wanting to name a starting quarterback going into his game Sunday against Florida State. We've already seen the Seminoles play this year. They beat up on Duquesne week one. Uh, By the way, (laughs) so for those of you not watching on video – we do this thing sometimes I, I believe we call this a is this called a two box when you have like some video playing and you have my face another box i have no idea how any of this works but we do this from time to time but the way this video <laughs> was set up for a minute is that brian kelly kind of veered behind me it almost looked like my head was sort of superimposed on his body there for a moment but uh nonetheless the point is is that kelly's not naming his starting quarterback we think it's going to be Jaden daniels but i guess you can sort of count out lsu at a time in which Auburn's named quarterback they're going T.J. Finley uh, A&M's named quarterback they're going Haynes King uh, LSU not naming quarterback right now but we believe it's probably going to be Jaden Daniels but Kelly trying to maintain the element of surprise on that or at least try to keep Garrett Nussmeyer from transferring out of the program but that's kind of the story there on that from Baton Rouge at the moment Tennessee got some good news we'll finish with this as a part of our cruise around the SEC and that Brew McCoy the transfer from usc who was at texas and been about everywhere it seems like he has been ruled eligible for the vol so tennessee already a pretty high-powered passing attack already a very good wide receiver gets itself another one in the person of mccoy or at least a guy that we think has a chance to be pretty good there so Josh Heupel's already reacted to this. Very excited about getting McCoy added into the mix. So a pretty big name transfer, former five-star, eligible at Tennessee. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Before we get to a fun announcement for us here today, let me also take some time here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, to turn our attention to last night where Georgia got itself a very big recruiting win. Now, Monroe Freeling, four-star offensive lineman, like a, you know, this is like a top 70 recruit in the country, top 10 offensive tackle. This would have been a big deal for UGA no matter what, but it's even bigger than normal because it comes at a very good time in that, you know, Georgia's had a couple of 
surprising setbacks in recruiting, a couple of decisions that you maybe thought were going to go the way of UGA just didn't at the very last moment. And so it's kind of created a certain level of restlessness among some fans. And as I've said before, to me, this isn't quite the old what's wrong with UGA recruiting meme that kind of pops up most summers where people kind of laugh at UGA fans that get worried about Georgia recruiting because everything is always fine in the end. I've said before, I think there's a little something about this class that's a little bit different than previous classes has have been and figuring out how Georgia kind of, you know, handles its business in a very new recruiting landscape that's a conversation probably worth having it's certainly a a story worth following and so along those lines getting the freeling announcement there last night was a nice deal moving georgia up from starting the day at number six in the composite team ranking from 24 7 sports when freeling announced that popped georgia into the three spot there on that uh, adding to the list of kind of top 100 level recruits that Georgia has here in this cycle. Is that a total of seven? Am I right about that? Maybe I'm off, but I believe it's seven top 100 recruits that Georgia currently has for 2023 class. So there's a lot to like about Freeling here. And last night, we covered it for you live on the Dog Nation video channels. And from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, we caught up with Jeff Sintel, who kind of went into more detail about why Freeling picked UGA. So here's what Jeff said about Monroe just after he picked the dogs. This is a guy that will come in and work. The main thing about why he chose Georgia is he wanted to be developed. And he loved it how he stressed the word loyalty with me. As he said, Stacey Searles recruited him hard and he was pounding his fist on the table at North Carolina. Although maybe he probably didn't have the uh, street cred or the, or the swag at North Carolina to sure. pull in maybe a, a player of this stature like Monroe Freeling. Well, now when Stacey Searles comes to Georgia, he knows he can get a player like Monroe Freeling. And he continued to pound the table. He continued to say, this is our priority. This is our guy. And really, Monroe told me the reason why he knew is that he'd go on a visit. And when a visit was pretty cool, he knew it would wear off. That visit high we always talk about, he knew that visit high would wear off after like a couple of days or so. But with Georgia, especially with his last visit, he finally decided that, you know what? I like Georgia. I probably love Georgia. And the feeling's not going away. And that's how he knew in his heart of hearts he had to be a dog. There is something about that that I like hearing in this day and age where so much of what goes on is about NIL and we understand how real that is and you know kind of everything else related to this. It's kind of nice to know that the you know human connection that takes place during visits still matters in the case of Monroe Freeling it seems like that did really matter. Georgia got itself a big win in Freeling. He's a nice addition important win for Stacy Serrells as he begins his career as Georgia offensive line coach so a lot to like about Georgia on the recruiting trail from last night and wanted to share that with you here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia all right now before we're wrapping up today's show want to give you another special announcement I'm going to try to do my own kind of recruiting reveal here in a moment we're going to see how awkward this ends up being but there is one of the things a lot of you've been asking for quite some time you know, you see on our desk each and every day, we have a mascot here for Dog Nation Daily. His name is Eddie. He's Eddie the Blind Squirrel. He celebrates the fact that he's a gator hater. He believes the good Georgia fan is a hater of those lousy, stinking gators, first and foremost, before anything else. Good Georgia fans are gator haters. Eddie's kind of always reminded us of that for such a long time. That is what Eddie has kind of always been about. And a lot of you have grown to love Eddie over the years. And so a lot of what you've kind of asked from time to time here is, well, B.A., is there some way we can have a little bit of Eddie in our own life? Is there somehow that we can kind of have our own taste of Eddie? We see Eddie on your desk all the time, but we'd like to show folks that we are a gator hater just as much as Eddie is. And we're going to give you a chance to do that because this is something we've had in the works for quite some time. And if you don't mind, because uh, I'm about to do my own reveal here, let's go back to the uh, to the other camera shot here for a moment. So uh, watch me try to do my awkward recruiting reveal here as I take my headphones off. I'm going to pull off my pullover and I'm going to reveal this for everybody to be able to see that we are debuting brand new today for the very first time ever. How about an Eddie t-shirt? Our friends at 7-6 Apparel have made these for us. You see me wearing it right now. Uh, going back to 2018, this is the Eddie t-shirt, uh, the very first one ever. Let me move him out of the way, and I'll move the, uh, the original Eddie out of the way. You can see this for yourself here a little bit. This is the Eddie t-shirt. It is going to be on sale. You're going to have your chance to buy a t-shirt to show folks that you are a Gator hater just as much as Eddie is. I'm so proud to be wearing this. We've had this in the works for a long time. A lot of you have wanted us to do this. We're going to have this in red, but we're also going to have this. Hold on one second. 
We're going to have it in gray. I've got a gray version here that if you'd rather have the shirt in gray, you're going to be able to have that. Uh, you're going to be able to have it in black there as well. So we're going to have these for sale for you from our friends at 7-6 Apparel. And today, for the very first time, when I post the show at dognation.com, you're going to be able to find this link at dognation.com in the podcast post, and you can go get your Eddie t-shirt. Eventually, you'll be able to find this everywhere. Our friends at 7-6 Apparel, who are going to be a great part of what we're doing on Saturday for our dognation.com tailgate, they're obviously making these for us because we know how great they are when it comes to uh, making you know, these t-shirts, things like that. So the very first ever Eddie t-shirt is now available, celebrating the uh, mascot here for Dog Nation Daily. We're really excited about that. We can't wait to show this off for you there at dognation.com. So when you see my podcast post pop up at dognation.com later on today, you can click that link and you can get in there and get your own Eddie t-shirt. But how about this? How far we've come over the years that Eddie now represented forever on a t-shirt from our good friends at 7-6 Apparel. So really excited about that, and it's just a real thrill to reveal that for you here for today. So I certainly could have given uh, uh, Eddie a golden shoe. I don't know that Eddie's actually ever won a golden shoe. I could have given him one uh, just for now being on a t-shirt for the very first time ever. So that's uh, that's really pretty fun stuff. But instead, I want to give one to our buddy Ben Green, who shared this with me. Obviously, we're getting ready for the duck hunt there on Saturday. And uh, Ben Green has a cool golden shoe moment for uh, as he shares himself kind of getting ready for that, too. Uh, there you go. Dog Nation Duck Hunt. You see the uh, the dog character from the uh, Nintendo video game, or at least a reasonable fact, somebody therein, holding up those ducks. And uh, on Saturday, that's what we believe George is going to be doing there as well. So good stuff from Ben Green on that. We'll make him a golden shoe winner for today. And we'll see all of you, or at least those of you who have the tickets to be there for our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate there on Saturday. But if you show up at Marlowe's on Thursday, you might get one of our Dog Nation duck hunt t-shirts which is kind of an exciting thing to think about so congratulations to ben for being our golden shoe winner today by the way speaking of lousy stinking gators about 4,982 days that is how long it's been since florida has won a national championship and our gator hater countdown even 60 days from right now georgia beating florida again eddie t-shirts all around as the dogs do it one more time gator hater countdown we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take your comments here on uh, Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, or in the comment section at dognation.com. Our buddy Sack Town Inn was talking about Nick Saban and over the course of years how he's collected a lot of talent in Alabama. He says that Bear Bryant used to do the same thing. You'd sign kids and you never really plan on using them, just so you wouldn't have to face them. And, you know, it's harder to do that now because of scholarship limits, but there is still a sense in which I believe that is true around college football, where, you know, there's a little bit of a double whammy when it comes to recruiting talent. You know, let's say Monroe Freeling last night, one of the schools that he was considering was Florida. And so, you know, Florida desperately needs offensive linemen. And so if Georgia wins that battle over a Florida, now Florida was not, you know, the only finalist. There were several of them, but let's just keep it to the SEC team, Florida in this case, that Georgia plays every year. So not only do you get to use him potentially Freeling, but you also prevent Florida from being able to use them there as well. That, you know, talent is a finite resource and there's never going to be enough of it to go around. And so when you get talent, you are also blocking someone else from getting access to the talent they need. And so really a recruiting win becomes a double win for your program. And there are, I have to admit, probably times in my life where Georgia's gotten a player and part of me is like i'm not sure how much georgia really needs him but i'm so glad that so and so didn't get him and sometimes that just sort of happens terrence pope checks in i guess terrence must be an, uh, an alabama fan who says your georgia bulldogs team is one and done no championship pedigree bama's gonna win it all deal with it he says so there you go terrence pope has waited on this so it is funny to watch these alabama fans have to try to get used to the idea that you know, the championship just doesn't belong to them. Like, I've joked about this before. For those of you who are old wrestling fans from the 1980s, and I realize not everybody is, you don't like it when I talk wrestling, but I'm going to do this very, very quickly. So back in the 80s, Ric Flair was the champion, and the fancy, they called it the big gold belt. That was his fancy belt that that he always wore. And what a lot of people didn't realize is, in real life, Ric Flair owned that belt. He bought it, paid for it with his own money. It was his belt. And so it was also kind of doubling as the, you know, the NWA World Championship belt at the time. But it, Ric Flair owned it. It was his belt. 
and if he ever lost it in a match then he basically gave it to the person that he lost to to borrow it as a prop but the belt belonged to rick flair he owned it he paid for it and i sort of think there's some alabama fans who kind of think the same thing is true about the national championship trophy that georgia may have it now but they're just sort of borrowing it as a prop for storyline purposes that the actual trophy belongs to Saban somehow he owns it but trust me when I tell you that is not the way that Georgia fans see all this not the way Georgia fans see all this at all uh but nonetheless interesting to see a Bama fan kind of weighing in there on that also Craig Bryan weighs in I had talked yesterday on Twitter a little bit about Garrison Hurst because Dale McGee had tweeted about Garrison Hurst and I had said that I thought that Hurst should have won the 92 Heisman Trophy and I do believe that he should have although Craig pointed out something I wasn't aware of or at least didn't remember that Hurst had not had a good day against Florida in 92 when Georgia could have won the East. I guess he only had 41 yards rushing. Um, and that ended up kind of being, you know, maybe the on a big national TV scale, that kind of ended up being why he didn't win the Heisman Trophy. That may have very well been the case. When it comes to 92, like I have some memories of that Florida game, but not really vivid memories. My more, I guess, substantial memories are the Tennessee game in Athens from that year. When Heath Schuler was at quarterback, Georgia had something like nine turnovers, like seven, eight, nine. It was like a gigantic number of turnovers that day and still kind of lost in sort of close, heartbreaking fashion to Tennessee. That is such a big memory for me, such a big memory for a lot of reasons. I kind of met my wife that same day there as well, which is kind of a different thing all the way around but um but the person that would eventually become my wife i should say uh when we were very young but the point is is that um that 92 tennessee game is like actually what sort of sticks out to me from that era as the heartbreaking loss the florida game was there too but for some reason that one just doesn't stick out in the memory banks quite as much but craig did provide that little bit of a reminder there anyway we got to go for now thanks for being here for our podcast cool down y'all check out rs andrews online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs on the video channels on friday night we'll also have go with the flow presented by rs andrews returning we'll make our picks on the games of the week our buddy dari payro from rs andrews big part of that we normally used to air that show on friday afternoons we're going to air it on friday nights here this year so kind of a nice consistent time there for that so we're looking forward to doing that and we'll look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then